You're listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about another Brad Pitt movie. Today, we're going to talk about Bullet Train, which I know was one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and uh, Pierre was at least very excited to see it. We talk about that right away. I just don't want to put words in his mouth, right? Anyway, this movie is an action movie by the director of Deadpool 2, David Leach, starring Brad Pitt, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Karen Fukunaga, Joey King, and a lot more. So, um, we really try to stay away from spoilers. Uh, We do give a full spoiler warning once we start talking about anything that could be considered spoilers. Um, but, uh, even before that, there's a couple of points where we're like, hey, this is a good spot to, uh, tap out. So, you will have plenty of warnings if you want to go into this blind, but you still want to hear a little bit from us. Um, yeah. I think that's probably good enough of an intro. Uh, I'm gonna, let's, let's start us off. One thing that I that made me really excited for this movie uh, as I was um, as I was watching all the trailers for it is the Japanese cover of the Bee Gees Stayin' Alive that plays during the trailer. And um, I'm going to play that cover for you because it's awesome. It's really hype. Interestingly enough, this cover is actually by Avu-chan, who uh, we probably won't talk about this movie on this show, but Avuchan was recently in a movie called Inu O, where he plays the title char- the, the main character. Anyway, that's my secret recommendation of the day, and here is Avuchan with Stayin' Alive. listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, uh, this is, Pierre, this is actually probably like one of my most anticipated movies of the year uh, that we're about to talk about. I, I think it may have been the same for you. Am I correct in thinking that? Um, I don't know about most anticipated, but this was definitely the movie that I did not think about at all. It's it's like the movie I just noticed, if that, if that makes sense. Like, um, But I was never like actively looking forward to it, if that makes sense. Um, I think so. So like, in with a me, good the way. Movie, yeah, the movie that we're talking about is Bullet Train. And like, 
probably as much as a year ago. I'm pretty sure there was a there. I'm pretty sure there was a trailer for Bullet Train attached to um, the new Wes Anderson movie, which was the French uh, Dispatch. The French Dispatch. I'm pretty sure there was a there was a trailer attached to that, which is the first movie I saw when I uh, when I moved to Toronto. And like, I've just been seeing that trailer over and over and over again. And like, I love that trailer. It's one of the few trailers where like, when it comes on, I'm like, I'm not like, oh, here we go again. And so by the time this movie actually came out, I was like, this movie has such a good trailer. Is that going to translate into an actually good movie? (laughs) Yeah, it's I. uh, That's the thing. Like, I've seen so many trailers for this of like every single movie I've watched. And I usually get really annoyed by that. But I actually laughed every single time at the same trailer shot where they're in the quiet car and Brad Pitt slams on um, uh, Brian Tyree Henry's hand and he yells and then someone shusters him. And like literally, I remember only that moment and it, it's made me like laugh every time. Did um, it make you laugh in the movie as well? Uh, they shot it a little differently, but that entire sequence was hilarious to me. Was, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. This was, uh, okay, I, I don't want any spoilers, but this is straight up probably the most fun I've had in the movie in a long time. I am going to second that. And like, so, you know, if, if people have made it this far and this is as far as they want to go before <laughs> deciding whether they should watch the movie or not, watch it. It's this isn't a spoiler movie. warning yet, but like, this is about the point where I would tap out sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts. I'm like, you know what? Let me stop right there. I'm going to watch this and then I'm going to come back. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I like I definitely say there's been like I'd say everything everywhere all the time is a better movie. I'd say oh, Top yeah. Gun is a more thrilling movie, but this is like the most fun movie for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like all year. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's directed by David Leach. Leach. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've been um, thinking of it as leech, and that's probably what I'm going to continue saying. But I am yeah. not confident that I'm right. <laughs> I just I feel bad saying leech. <laughs> it sounds like a mean thing to call him, but um, yeah, and he's he's kind of made a name for himself. Like I wouldn't say he's like really huge for like a general audience. Like he's not a he doesn't really have like his own like brand for the general population. But like I'd say like movie fans would know him like on a regular basis because he's been involved I, in some pretty, pretty popular movies. And like this movie was heavily, um, it was heavily advertised as being from the director of Deadpool two. And I think that even for a general audience that does say a lot right away. Like it gives you a very good idea of what to expect. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you kind of get what you expect. Uh, but yeah, he's also directed, you know, John here. He co-directed John wick um he was involved in the atomic blonde which was apparently a quite a good action movie but i heard it he directed did, it. did you see it yeah i did um i didn't love it at the time uh i might like it more if i rewatched it but i thought it was i, I actually thought it was a little clumsy mm, that's fair yeah i i kind of heard the same thing like good action well directed action but kind of a weak plot slash like character mm-hmm. development um you did deadpool 2 what we just said i actually really i personally i think prefer deadpool 2 to 1 
I think Deadpool um, 2 is way funner. Deadpool 1 might, like, you can argue that it's better, and I wouldn't even argue back. But, like, Deadpool 2 has a lot more fun sequences in it. Yeah, and you could just feel, like, I know it had a, obviously it had a higher budget, but it, it definitely feels like, like, the action, I think, is really well directed in that movie. And it feels much more alive and, um, intro- like, you could, I, I feel like you could feel David Leach's influence on it, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. the action, I think, was uh, propped up a notch, even though, you know, it, it also did have a higher budget. So, uh, yeah. And uh, and he did Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, which I don't... What, what did you think of that movie? I don't think we ever talked about I actually about didn't it. see it. That's, oh, never mind. That, okay. I think there's only a handful of Fast and Furious movies I haven't seen, and that's one of them. Oh, okay. Um, I've seen it. I personally, I thought it was, I thought, I, I thought the action was kind of good, but I, I actually, I really don't like the rock. Um, if I'm going to be honest, especially in roles like that, where he's just, I mean, that's a lot of his roles now, but he's basically just trying to out alpha the other, his co-star. The whole I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm just going to put this aside a while ago, like a very long time ago. I think this was in an episode that's not even uploaded on Spotify yet. That's how long ago it was. Uh, we started a list of uh, actors that were in our, um, God, I can't even remember what it was called at the time. It was basically a hall of shame. Like we, we want to like these actors, but we've only seen them in bad movies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to add Dwayne the Rock Johnson to that. Cause there's gotta, there's, I've definitely liked him. I usually like him but I usually hate the movies he's in. Yeah, well, we talked about Pain and Gain, right? And I think... Uh, or did we... I don't think we did a full episode on it, but, like, I definitely I know we've about it. talked about it. Like, maybe that's it was... my favorite Michael Bay. That's... We watched Armageddon. Armageddon might oh, be there better it is. Okay, for, yeah. for Michael Bay, but Pain and Gain is has traditionally been my favorite Michael Bay movie. Yeah, well, I remember watching that and being like, oh, I love, like, that's the only movie where it felt like The Rock was playing a character um, and not himself. And he he did it really well, I thought, too, which yeah. was, like, the crazy part. So he can't act. He just, I mean, if I was in his position, I wouldn't act either, to be honest. But Well, we'll uh, see what Black yeah. Adam ends up looking like. Black Adam is going to be the test. If Black Adam is sure. bad, The Rock is going to go into our Hall of Shame. And then I'm, he needs I'm sure that he's actively awaiting <laughs> what we say he is, he'll, where we categorize need, him. And eventually, we're going to go through everyone in that Hall of Shame and try and give them a redemption arc. Which yeah. is at, So this is actually good for The Rock. If he, wants, if he ends up in that Hall of Shame, we do an entire episode devoted to The Rock. Yeah, we just watch more of his movies. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, so yeah, he, he did that. I thought it was, it was a little much. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that, but this is his first, I think it's, wait, it was, no, I, I feel like this is his first, like truly solo effort in a while, if that makes sense. Like Atomic Blonde was his, um, but I, I guess I didn't see that. So yeah, with the, with the caveat in a while, I'd be willing to agree with that. Okay. Okay, cool. Thank you, thank God. Um, and yeah, this is Bullet Train. Is I didn't know how to categorize David Leach like before I saw this movie, but after watching this movie, he is definitely he has a style. Um, 
and there's a lot of personality showing here. So mm-hmm. this, I feel like this could be a big stepping stone into him being much more commonly known in in like the mainstream audiences. He and hopefully really, get some some good deals in the future. Yeah, this movie is really really good, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in depth. This movie's really really good at setting up its characters, and like I feel like we got glimpses of that in Deadpool two, where Deadpool is trying to create the X Force, and like this is like if that if that was the whole movie. Yeah, there there was some very similar humor there, um, but I think I think this was better because i like no matter what you say deadpool is is ryan reynolds baby right like yeah um this this was david leach's baby though for sure 100 mm-hmm. percent um and it you can definitely tell i feel like like you're probably right he probably learned some things from working on deadpool 2 and other movies to get to this point because there was i think a lot of like someone someone said i mean we'll talk about i'm sure we'll talk about it more later but Someone told me like, or I think I saw it online that this felt like a Ryan Reynolds like movie in a way that like he could have starred in this and it would have kind of made sense. It and like, I'm I'm kind of glad he didn't because oh, it tells I'm, me that yeah. this is not Ryan Reynolds style. Like this is just a style. Yeah, um, I'm very thankful he did. <laughs> I think if Ryan Reynolds would have been in this, he would have fit the movie very well. But like. Honestly, he kind of would. I mean, I find him. I find that Ryan Reynolds definitely can be annoying, and he would have been very annoying in this movie if he'd been in most of it. Yeah, I, I'm a little. I've, I've had enough. I love Deadpool, and I'll, I'll. I think I love him as Deadpool, but I've, I've had enough Ryan Reynolds as Ryan Reynolds. Um, this was. It felt like, and it was almost like an homage, or to to his type of action movie. But mm-hmm. David Leitch took that style and kind of made it his own. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, we should talk about... Do you want to say what this movie's about? So, um, I'm, I, I will summarize this as best I can. I'm not actually sure how much of this I can summarize. Like, how much of the movie plot I can give away without, like, uh, without spoiling it. But Bullet Train is... It all takes place on a train. And nope. it's about... <laughs> It's about several hitmen that are on this train, all with different missions that end up sort of interconnecting. The main one is Brad Pitt. He is on the train to grab a suitcase full of money and get off the train. And like, uh, as the movie unfolds, it becomes very difficult for him to finish that mission. Like he can get the suitcase, but he can't get off the train. And then later on, he can get off the train, but he can't get off the train with the suitcase. And as he's like going through, it turns out that uh, this particular suitcase um, is at the center of several different uh, hitmen's uh, several different hitmen's missions. And everyone wants this suitcase for some reason, but no one's been told the whole story. And so as it unfolds, that's that's kind of where the movie comes in is figuring out how all these different connect, how all these different hitmen stories uh, connect. Yeah. It's actually really straightforward. Um, you, we were talking earlier, you compared it to an Agatha Christie novel. I, yeah. Movie. I think this movie is like very Agatha Christie esque because uh, so um, especially in preparation for death on the Nile back when it was, 
supposed to be coming out like two years ago. Uh, I started really read like I started reading more and more Agatha Christie. Uh, I started reading Agatha Christie novels, and I've only read I've only read two at the moment. But I really but what I really like about those is Agatha Christie is really good about setting up her characters and setting up a setting up a well setting up a really good story. But like I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I think that like uh, in general, a the best twists in movies or in stories are ones that you don't see coming, but you totally could have. Like, in The Sixth Sense, uh, that movie, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil The Sixth Sense, but it's like kind of a meme to spoil The Sixth Sense. At the end of the movie, <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis, it turns out, was dead the whole time. And while while you're watching the movie, you don't realize that the first time. That's why it comes as such a shock at the end. But throughout the entire movie, there's those little hints that are pointing you in the right direction. And I think in Agatha Christie uh, novels, she's really good about making the mystery solvable and making it potentially very obvious. But you can't put all the pieces, but like not all the pieces are presented to you right away. I think um, in Death on the Nile, we didn't talk about this one in an episode, but Death on the Nile the the central mystery i won't spoil it the central mystery though is pretty obvious like if you think you know who did it early on you probably do it's not that difficult a mystery to find out uh, to figure out but as the movie goes on the reason the movie is like the reason i like that movie and the reason i like that story as much as i do is because the actual story is how all the puzzle pieces fit together and why you know whoever did it, did it and what they were doing and what their story is and like how, why, why anything happened. And I think that that's here too. It's very quick to figure out like every individual, any of the individual mysteries that come up during this, like this movie's pretty obvious. Everyone's going to kill each other. Probably there's a big bad guy at the end. You can sort of <laughs> figure it out as you go. Yeah. Um, but like, the real story comes from figuring out why everybody is on the train in the first place and how, if at all, their uh, stories connect because those connections end up being really, really interesting. And like, there's one character in this who's only in it. Like he barely even has any lines. He basically just has a montage. That's like five minutes. And he's like the best character in the movie. Yeah. I, <laughs> Oh God. That, that's, I don't know if we, like, I want to talk about him so bad, but I don't know if that's a spoiler. We, um, we will. We will. We will. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about it eventually. But yeah, no, it's... I I think that he could have cut some, like, the the two... Um, between Brian Tyree Henry, who plays Tangerine, right? No, Lemon. And Aaron Taylor Johnson, who plays Tangerine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's their code names. Uh there's, they do have like a lengthy conversation at the start, um, and I I think they could have cut some stuff from that, but I also appreciate it because they they really do put a lot of work into letting you know who these characters are before stuff goes down and making you and, care for them um, mm-hmm. and seeing their relationship. And when I was watching this movie, like this movie, the the trailer is entirely fo- is almost entirely focused on Brad Pitt's character. I really appreciated early in the movie, like it starts with Brad Pitt's character, but then we get that lengthy conversation and like it sets them up 
it immediately sets them up not just as supporting characters, but as co-leads, which um, like co-leads not even not to the point where like it's not even just Brad Pitt's story we're telling. It sets up very early, like over the course of this movie, we're going to learn, we're going to learn about different characters and each of them is the lead character in their own part of the story. Yeah. It's, it's very much an ensemble movie. It's um, like, I remember at the start, I was really, I was really surprised how little time they actually spend on Brad Pitt um, mm-hmm. in the first act. Because, well, I do, even though I do think like the reason for that, like, is because they set him up really quickly. He's a very simple character, like, and that's kind of why I love him. He's not. There's not much to him. All you, all you really need to know um, about him is that he's filling in for someone who called in sick, and he hasn't done a job like this in a while. Um, he he has his profession is hitman, but he's really really tired of killing people. Yeah, so he doesn't want <laughs> yeah. to do that anymore. Yeah. But they um, needed a guy to fill in. Yeah, so I love that. Uh, and he plays that. Uh, well, I, we'll talk about it a bit later. But yeah, he plays that really, really well. Um, but yeah, the the first act I think goes along a little long, but it really does pay off because I think the second and third act, once these characters start interacting like fully and getting to know each other, it really, really pays off. Um, and yeah, I I can't remember another. There's very few movies where I I love basically everyone in the cast. The only mm. person I didn't like, well, actually, there's a couple. I I hated the girl, but you're supposed to hate the girl, um, Joey King. Joey King, and uh, I guess the other guy is uh, there, there's a there's an Asian father in this movie movie who who comes to hurt Joey King to protect his son. Yeah, um, he was kind of just a filler character. I honestly uh, think that like the biggest problem with both of them is that they just had the least interesting story. Yeah. Like, I don't actually know. <clears throat> I didn't like either of them that much either. I don't know how much of that is. I'm going to give the actors the benefit of the doubt. Cause I like to do that, but like, I don't know how much of that part is. I, I think that like they just have the least interesting story in the whole train car. And so, like, we keep cutting back to it because it's really important. All the stories are, but like, neither of them is that. They're they're both pretty, as far as characters can be generic in this movie. They're the most generic, and like, I don't know. There's almost no mystery to them. Like, pretty much every like with the other characters, there's always something that they don't know that we as the audience also want to find out. Or if we already know that thing, we want to know how the characters learn about it. With Joey King and uh, I'm going to find this guy's name so that I'm not just Just referring to him as the Asian guy. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Koji and Joey King. With Andrew Koji and Joey King, like every time that like every time their story progresses, we know all the pieces. Like they will explain it to each other very quickly. Um, yeah, that's, and I think the, uh, a, another problem with that was that they, they spend a lot of time, they, they, they don't really interact with the other characters fully in a meaningful way until like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does really drag when they're there and I wish they put a little more work into that, but through them, you, you do get a lot of payoff through that storyline too. So, um, it's hard to like hate that, 
that part of it. But I think he, I think that could have been written better for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. I, I mean, for the cast, you want to talk about the cast a bit? Like, well, I guess so, we're talking about the characters. So. Yeah. So uh, this movie has a pretty stacked cast. Like, even in the tiniest roles, there's like huge names in here. Uh. I mean. Those are cameos. That's what that is. But like, still, they get some in, in, some pretty impressive cameos. And like, I didn't realize this, but uh, there's a concession, a, a train concession girl that's just like going through the train and occasionally runs into Brad's Brad Pitt's character. Uh, she's played by Karen Fukuhara, who is in The Boys, which I thought, which yeah. I just discovered. That's she played cool. a Katana too in uh, the Suicide, oh, or suicide yeah, Squad, right? Like a long time ago. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of. I actually kind of liked how they had a recognizable star, and then just had her actually not be a part of the plot at all. <laughs> she, yeah, it felt like because I I feel like there's in the movie there's there's someone that they think is uh like a, some there's, they think there's someone poisoning everyone or people on the train mm-hmm. trying to find this person, and your very your first instinct is to assume it's the recognizable star. Who is serving food to everyone? Um, but it's actually—I it, guess—is oh, that a spoiler? I feel bad, but it's actually not her. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's just talk about the spoiler character—the two spoiler characters last. Sure. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. I think so, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Brad Pitt. What do you think? I thought he was great. I really love like comedic Brad Pitt roles. And this movie has him in, I mean, like, this is the second time I've seen that style of Brad Pitt this year, which is awesome. Like, he's, uh, the, the first time was The Lost City. Yeah. Yeah, he was great in this. I liked him, uh, I think, yeah, like I said, comedic Brad Pitt is always good. And in this one, like, I think the idea, I think it's, it sounds overdone. I don't think it actually is to do like a hitman who doesn't like to kill, but it's also a hard thing to pull off in a way that's any, that's interesting at all. And Brad Pitt being like just a super chill dude the whole time. And like trying to give everybody platitudes and meditation advice was really funny while he's trying to, while he's like really trying not to kill people and doing it anyway. Yeah. I, I've honestly, uh... This is gonna sound weird, but I've always like dreamed of seeing a character like this, like an action star that like literally just does not want to hurt anyone. <laughs> it's just trying. Like, there's this scene where Brad Pitt, um, he, he kills someone, and they are like slowly dying, and he's like trying his best to help them in their last moments. He's like, "Oh, that looks like that really hurts. Like, can I get you water or something?" <laughs> like, I was actually dying because it's. You know he's such a sweet guy, and he doesn't—he didn't want any of this. For, but for some, I mean, it's a recurring theme for his character that he's a very, very unlucky person. Or like he specifically is lucky, but everyone around him is unlucky. Oh well, yeah, I guess that works out too. But yeah, he—he—he he, he very unsuccessfully tries to not kill people, but he ends up having to every time, and it just—it kills it. it it ironically kills me with laughter every time he does it. Um, yeah, there's another scene. This was the scene I originally thought you were talking about, but like early on, he's talking about past 
past jobs that have gone poorly and like a dude jumps off a jumps off a building onto his car and he immediately starts the car and like tries to drive the guy as he's dying on the roof of his car to the hospital yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i brad pitt was really good in this i don't know what to say and um, i don't usually i haven't seen him in that many oh no actually no i feel like he's had kind of a career resurgence since he came back from i guess he divorced angelina jolie sorry brad pitt oh i guess that was re- i guess that was recent yeah he's probably trying to pay the bills i don't know <laughs> but that is oh man i think i I could be wrong about this, and I don't want to talk about drama too much on this, but I think that Brad Pitt versus Angelina Jolie is something that the world is about to have an opinion on. Oh, yeah, I, I saw a couple things. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna refrain from bringing opinion, from bringing those kind of opinions into this show. That's not what we are, but it's possible that it may not be cool to talk about one of them in a bit. It yeah. just seems like that's the way the internet wants to go with celebrity relationships recently we'll see what happens um but in this movie he was he was very good um and i, I honestly i would love to see a sequel with him like this the same character i thought mm-hmm. it was really interesting um but yeah and then also what do you think of aaron taylor johnson i, I think aaron taylor johnson i think aaron taylor johnson and brian tyree henry are like the standouts of this more so brian tyree henry a little bit but like Aaron Taylor Johnson is great in this. They worked so well together. Aaron Taylor Johnson is basically like, he reminds me a lot of Brad Pitt's character, but they are definitely very different. Um, I think they just kind of look the same. Like there's a joke at one point where they pretend to be twins and like, uh, it (laughs) it makes sense. I mean, Uh, I I think the, I think that was just more like they see themselves as twins. If that meant, like they're just really, really close. Oh no, 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 no! I meant, I meant Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brad Pitt. Look oh, that scene. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that no, was uh, hilarious because <laughs> they Aaron actually Taylor- look kind of similar too. Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry. Like, even though part of the joke is that they don't look anything alike, you could not convince me in a million years that those two characters aren't twins. Like, it's it's actually like the emotional heart of this movie somehow. Yeah, for like their chemistry was off the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, they and yeah, they're really like because I I think with Brad Brad Pitt like he's not really a character. You're like he's really fun to watch, right? But he's not the character you're like emotionally invested in mm-hmm. because he he he's not even emotionally invested in the plot, right? He's just kind of screwing around. He, he's and, literally the only guy who wasn't supposed to be there today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, with Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson, like they, they have a a hilarious relationship, but they both really, really care about each other. Um, and I think there's a couple, like, I think you could have toned it down in some spaces. And like, I think in the first act, there's a little too much pointless dialogue between them, but, um, yeah, they, they're, they're amazing. They, They were really good together. But even that pointless dialogue, I mean, one, it's just really fun to watch anyway. And I think it really helps establish the chemistry between the two of them. Because, like, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, okay, I'm not talking about Aaron Taylor Johnson all of a sudden. But, like, Brian Tyree Henry goes on an entire long diatribe about uh, 
about Thomas the Tank Engine. And like, that ends up actually being important, but you could have cut that down, but you wouldn't want to because that like establishes his entire character. Yeah, well, that's, see, that's the thing. I, I feel like there's a lot of this movie that, like, it's not a perfect movie, right? Like, that that stuff wasn't necessary, but I love it because it feels like that was really important to David Leach. Mm-hmm. And it, he put a lot of heart into those scenes, even though they weren't, like, necessarily required to be in the movie. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think it worked out. And, um yeah, I, I I would also love to see a movie spinoff with the twins too. Like, uh, they they reference some other adventures they were on, and I think it'd be cool to see them on something like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. and I think what's kind of interesting, like this is about how everything ties together. Is as we learn more about each character's adventures, we learn that like most, even though most of the characters are meeting each other for the first time, like we find out that almost all of the characters actually have a history together. Like they were at the same jobs or doing the same thing, or like they just happened to be in the same area doing different jobs, but like within spitting distance of each other. I think that's what's so cool. But like, that's what reminds me so much of Agatha Christie on this. Like, cause in murder on the Orient express or in another uh, book, this reminds me a lot of um, what's it called. Uh, and then there were none as you learn more about the characters, you realize that like these characters uh, have, these characters are like, their lives are very interconnected, even though they've never met each other. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that like, you, you, and I think in a movie that took itself more seriously, just kind of roll your eyes up. But I think this movie's just trying to have fun. Right. So mm-hmm. you're like totally okay with, I mean, I guess it, well, yeah, it, it works out in this movie. Um. Yeah, who else was there? There was. Oh, I, see, that's that's the the thing is like some of these characters I want to talk about, but they're kind of surprises too. I mean, um, if you want, we've been going for a half an hour now. This yeah, would be a good point for a spoiler warning. That's fair. Just and to be, like, I think we made it very clear. We love. We both love this movie, and you should really yeah. watch this in theaters. I think it's really good. I. This is another one that I don't. I don't know if I can do this, but like. I kind of do want to see this one again. In yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to watch it like five times as soon as it comes to video on demand. But like, it's an adventure. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's like long. It feels long, but in like a good way too. Like you you're really taken through it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyways, yep. All right. So final spoiler warning here. Here's a spoiler warning. All right, let's talk about Bad Bunny. What do you think about Bad Bunny? Yeah, I didn't know that was Bad Bunny. I'm, I, all I know about Bad Bunny is that he's like really huge on like his albums, huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's like one of the biggest artists right now. But yeah, no, I didn't know it was him. But he did a really good job. He was amazing. That whole yeah. the wolf sequence was probably it might be my the 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 funniest sequence of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I, I think it works really well, too, because you're still not quite sure what the movie is at that point. Um, like, the tone hasn't entirely been set, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But once that sequence happens where you have this huge, sad, depressing, violent backstory for the character. He's like a very Tarantino character, yeah. I would say. And then he comes in and you're like, oh, my God, there's 
this another player enters the ring because they also each 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 star in this movie has like their own um kind of background se- introduction sequence uh yeah but yeah and he has his own and then him dying <laughs> like that's what i knew this movie was special like when that happens he's introduced like a tarantino main character and he's killed off like a tarantino side character yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's like putting it night like at least the tarantino characters they kind of get like an epic way to like they die but it's like brutal right this was like mm. <laughs> like yeah when he throws the the night and it's such a comedic it's a cartoonish sequence too because like i'm pretty sure there's no way in hell a knife can rebound at that angle and and stab like when you throw it but it was just so funny that this insanely intense character that just happens to stumble upon Brad Pitt ends up dying in like the most ridiculous way. And I loved it. And that's when like, that's the moment that that sequence is really necessary because that's when, you know, like this movie is different. Yeah. And that's also like a really important moment for Brad Pitt's character, because that's the moment at which he can no longer leave the train. Oh, that too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That whole, him trying to make him look like he's asleep uh, instead of dead was like really funny. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you think? Oh, I thought it was great. I was actually surprised at how little of the movie he was in. He has one, like, cause I've definitely, I remember hearing a lot about him being in this movie because um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Sony's universe of Marvel characters is, it's basically just Spider-Man villains and apparently because of his performance in this movie and how he did with test audiences, he immediately got like his own movie greenlit at, at, for Sony, where he will be playing El Muerto, who is a Spider-Man villain who appeared in like two comic issues. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but he's going to be the main character of his own movie oh, just because great. of this movie, that's which is, I mean, w- weird, but like, I mean... Sony is doing Marvel movies based on essentially nothing. So hopefully this, you know, it's, it's going to be original basically. So hopefully it's good. And I would love to see more of him for sure. Yeah, no, he was, he was great. Um, what did you think of Zazie beats? Um, I didn't love her as much as I had hoped I would. Really? Uh, She was, she was fine, but like, I think her, her role was much more minor and I don't think it like it was it was even more minor than Bad Bunnies or like similarly minor, at least in terms of, of screen time. And like her backstory wasn't as explosive as his. So like most of my experience with Zazie Beats in this movie is basically just me comparing her to Bad Bunny. And if we're comparing those two, Bad Bunny is so much better. Zazie Beats was fine. I just didn't think she had enough to work with in this mm. movie. That's fair. It might have been better for me because I didn't realize it was Bad Bunny. So like mm. this felt like the first celebrity entering the movie that just kind of gets killed off quickly, right? So it didn't feel as repetitive. Right. Um but I I thought she was hilarious. Like she was just like she was such a lame character. <laughs> like the she was like lame in like a really funny way. You know, like mm-hmm. she had like a really bad French accent, I think. Um and the way she died, <laughs> like, I, I don't know the, 
the way just she what she poisons herself, right? Or is it she, she poisons herself and Brad Pitt, and then she pulls out the antidote, and Brad Pitt stabs himself with it before <laughs> she can. Yeah, like, and it's like her look, <laughs> the look of realization when she's like, "Are you fucking? Like, are you serious? Like, and it's so quick too. You're like, you're like before you know it, and before she knows it, Brad Pitt's taken the <laughs> the anti venom, and it's like so casual too. Like, I'm pretty sure doesn't Brad Pitt say, "Whoa, don't you have a second anti venom?" Doesn't he say that too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, like, come on, are you serious? Like, and then she's like slowly dying and. I don't know. So, and I love how she kept calling him a bitch for no reason. Like, it was just so so unnecessary. She was so unnecessarily mad at him, mm. um, even while she was dying <laughs> with her last breath. And he's like, "This is what I was talking about earlier." But he's like, "He's like, do you want some water? Like, do you want me to hold your hand or something?" <laughs> well, she's like struggling to like to breathe. It was. I love that sequence so much. Um, and yeah, I guess that was the. She was the reverse. She was kind of the red herring of, uh, no, she she was the reveal of. How do you say that? Because Carrie Fuka, I mean, what's her name? Was the red herring? Yeah, uh, and she's so like, there is. Yeah, I think as you mentioned, like there's people being poisoned, and it would make the most sense if it was Karen Fukuhara. Yeah, but it's actually Zazie Beats who is walking around in like a mascot costume. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, like, she's the one with this poison that's, like, mentioned in, I think, the first frame of the movie is a news report about the poison. So, like, it's it's definitely a major thing, a major plot point. Yeah, I, uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. And, yeah, she has, like, a, a much bigger presence than that role because she is technically in more of the movie than we know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she's, so, but, yeah, I loved her. Um, who else comes in? Channing Tatum has a cameo. I thought this was really, it was really funny in this movie that, uh, well, first off, Ryan Reynolds is actually in this movie. But what I really <laughs> yeah. liked about this movie is it had Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and Brad Pitt all playing very similar characters to the characters they played in The Lost City. Like, different, yeah. but still similar. It was really odd. Um, I kind of wish we had a Daniel Radcliffe cameo too, but yeah, can't win them all. Um, but yeah, no, Channing Tatum was hilarious. He, I, I, I thought like it's it, they're really cheap jokes, but I honestly love Channing Tatum. Um, his his delivery just like completely sold it. I don't remember exactly what it is that Brad Pitt says to him, but Channing Tatum's just like, is that a sex thing? Just over and over again. And yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's it's really lazy humor, but he sells it really well, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't love. I thought Sandra Bullock was kind of an odd. Like I liked her as the voice, but mm-hmm. I thought she was kind of an odd person to add in at the end, um, like it, like it was a twist or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and her face—I don't know what it was. I—it felt like they CGI'd her face or something. Like her—I don't know if you noticed that, but I read a bit about it online, and like some other people noticed too. Like her face looked unnaturally like soft and like huh. fake, um, and it felt like. It felt like she was like deep faked into that scene or something. Um, Weird. Yeah, I don't know, or maybe it was just makeup or whatever. But I, I thought that was odd. Um, who's the other one? We're missing. Oh yeah, Ryan Reynolds. That was actually hilarious. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it was like at the very end of the movie, as the as the villain is revealing who everyone is and how their stories tie together and why they were on the train. Uh, he reveal like he turns to Brad Pitt and he's like, "And you." Carter and he's like oh no 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 sorry Carter couldn't come in today (laughs) it turns out that like Ryan Reynolds really wronged this bad guy but like he got sick so he just couldn't make it to the train it it's really I know it's just a cameo but it actually is such I think it's a really smart cameo to have just because like like first of all like we we were talking earlier like it feels kind of like a Ryan Reynolds movie and it, it was just like, it, it just felt very smart to have him actually end up like this would have been his movie if he came in that day, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it, it felt very meta, but also just like so right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's like of course this this asshole everyone's talking about hating is actually Ryan Reynolds, um, because it just makes sense for what Ryan Reynolds usually plays in his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, th- I thought it was really good. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, what did you think of, uh, we got two more characters, we, two more actors we didn't talk about. First off, Hiroyuki Sonata. Uh, he yeah. Played the he, Elder. He was, I was really surprised. I mean, I, I, I wasn't expecting, he's always like this actor that, like, I'm not a huge fan of him, but I always like him when I see him in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually he, he put on a really good performance. He was a very stereotypical elder, uh, and he had a good mix of comedy, but also like a lot of intensity at the same time when he had to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, yeah, he he was perfect for the role. I think that like I don't know, I really like him as an actor, but I've also mostly seen him in supporting roles kind of like this um but he's he's really good at them so like it's not a that's not a complaint really yeah there and i think it worked well with there's there's this one scene where he's trying to tell brad pitt a story um and brad pitt's like like it's like the stereotypical like i'm gonna tell you my backstory and then brad pitt's just straight up like please i don't want to hear your story right now i'm just tired um, and they just insist. He's like, no, it's, it's, it's a small story. It's okay. And I, I, I love their back and forth. It was really good. Uh, yeah. And then the last one, what did you think of? Oh, God, what's his name? I'm Michael Shannon? Michael Shannon, yeah. So Michael Shannon was a weird choice for this one. I mean, I smiled when I saw him. I'm like, oh, hey, that's Michael Shannon. That's a guy I know. But, like, he was a weird pick to be the main villain of this movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I don't disagree with that. I didn't I didn't hate him, but I think that like I think he was the wrong person to make that villain super imposing. He kind of just came out of nowhere at the end, but like if I think a different actor could have made Okay, have you seen the movie um Bad Times at the El Royale? No, I haven't. I know you said you liked okay. it though. In Bad Times at the El Royale, the main bad guy is Chris Hemsworth. And Chris Hemsworth is playing, uh, he's cast against type as like a Charlie Manson style cult leader. Mm-hmm. And like, he's not even in half the movie. But it's, but like, up until then, his presence is definitely felt. 
And then as soon as he's actually in the movie, it pays off because he is such a terrifying character. In this movie, Michael Shannon isn't even in like the first probably hour and a half of the movie. And like, but when he finally is in the movie, it doesn't feel like there's much of a payoff. It feels like kind of a wet fart. Like he's in it and he's fine, but like it doesn't feel, he doesn't feel as imposing as he's been made out to be. Yeah, I I think for a movie that feels very self-aware, kind of like meta, interested in meta humor, I think they definitely could have picked someone that is much more inclined to be imposed. Like, I, I think Michael Shannon was good in the role. It's just he didn't oh. have, and he was very intense. He just didn't have enough time to shine. And that's where... I, smarter casting might have made more sense yeah he pulls it off but someone else could have pulled it off better yeah like i i I saw someone say putting someone like keanu reeves in there would have been really good it's just like someone we the general audience knows is like in a lot of action movies and is a badass in those movies right and actually, it would really help. Like, what really worked in bad times at the El Royale is when you see Chris Hemsworth, you're not used to seeing Chris Hemsworth as a horrific dude. You're used to seeing him as Thor. And that's where someone like Keanu Reeves could have been, like, a really good get for that role in this movie because we're not used to seeing Keanu Reeves as a bad guy. So when we see Keanu Reeves, and he's the Keanu Reeves we know and love, and then he kills a main character, we go, oh, shit. And you don't necessarily have to lose, like, the vibe of the movie, but you do get that, like, oh, this guy is the villain. Yeah, the, the one we've been building up this whole time. Where with Michael Shannon, he plays re- he plays villains really well. Like, his character in The Shape of Water is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But when I see Michael Sh- Shannon in a movie, I expect a villain. Yeah. And I, not necessarily, I, like, I don't know, I... I I feel like it was played a little awkwardly. I thought he was good, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like he perfectly fit the role. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, I thought I, I was just kind of ha- for a second. I was really worried. They would just pick someone that was like a very like low key actor that no one really knew. I think like a, like been- a big Russian guy that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, like I was expecting that. If I was going to be honest, I was really scared they'd do that. But at least it was someone I recognized, and that I think that really helped it. Um, mm-hmm. but they could have picked someone better. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, and I, uh, I just want to like, what did you think about David Leach as like a director? Here, for like, the most part, I loved his directing on this movie because I think like that humor. Um, he's he's got really good editing timing too, because like I don't know how much of I don't know how much of like the individual character beats uh, and the like the individual funny character beats were him versus whoever wrote the screenplay for this, um, who was Zach Olkowitz. But like he worked with that material really well. Like everybody, every all the cast actually already had really good comedic timing. But under David Leach, like he elevated that a lot, and um, he had a lot of really funny editing choices. Uh, there's like setting up everybody as uh, setting up everybody with their own backstory and like a title card and everything. That was that worked 
And then like at the very end, they do that for a water bottle and the water bottles and the payoff of that isn't even anything important. It's just like the water bottle gets thrown at somebody and then that's it. Yeah. Um, which was kind of a dumb scene and I've definitely heard some people not like it, but I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I, I um, that that's another scene where you're kind of like, I don't think this is technically good for the movie, but you can tell he loved making that sequence. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's what I see a lot of in this movie, is you can tell that David Leach had a really fun time making this, and it seems like all the actors did, too. Um, I think, like, the one thing that I didn't much care for, <clears throat> there's a scene at the end where the entire train crashes, and Brad Pitt, like, flies in slow motion through the train. Horrifically bad CGI compared to the look of the entire rest of the movie. Like, the entire movie looks so slick, and then at the end, there's just that weird CGI sequence that reminds me a lot of Brad Pitt in Deadpool 2, which was also not a good CGI sequence. I don't know why they did that. They didn't have to. They could have chosen not to do that. Yeah, I... I... It definitely felt like towards the end, they kind of, like, I would have been totally happy with like a much more personal showdown because mm-hmm. um, the, the, the whole movie is actually like quite like, it's an intense movie or there's a lot of stuff going on. It's not like the ending needed more, more happening. You know, it's like, yeah. if, if it ended on a very, like the train's empty, it's like two people who are like, it could have, they could have just done, um, Michael Shannon versus like the the three guys left right yeah in a fight I think that would have been much more entertaining and interesting than uh, the sequence they gave us especially because you could tell they were really stretching the budget at the end there mm-hmm. um, like when they crash into that uh, the town and the movie ends you could tell all of that was very lazily green screened in mm-hmm. um, and shot at like the last second it felt like um, it wasn't a bad ending. It's just like, I think it could have been better. And it threw me off a bit. It didn't have to be as big as it was. And by be and like, if it was smaller, they wouldn't have spent as much money and it probably could have been better. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, so that's a little unfortunate, but then I'll like, I, I understand why he did what he did. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, he wanted it, he wanted it to give a big epic finale. Um, yeah, and it, it is a very epic movie too. I think uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot. He he balances a lot of tones really well too. Like um, that that whole the sequence where Aaron Taylor Johnson thinks his brother died or his twin died, and then and then he dies really horrifically, thinking that his brother's dead as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his brother wakes up, and then we see that, and then he realizes. Aaron Taylor Johnson died. That was like actually a heartbreaking sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me like, it re- really made me feel, feel for them. Um, while also somehow being funny at the same time. It was yeah, I mean, this movie is consistently hilarious and actually has like some really touching scenes in it too. Yeah. Like, like that, that's, it was a very emotionally impactful uh, sequence, and even even like the showdown between uh, sorry, what's his name again? The elder, the elder, um, Hiroyuki Shannon. Sonata. Hiroyuki Sonata. 
their their showdown was kind of intense too. Um, even though they they both only come in in the third act, but yeah, he, David Leitch was did really good at balance. There was a couple times like I I didn't love the way Aaron Taylor Johnson died. I, I think like I knew he had to die, but I feel like it it felt a little casual if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt a little comedic too comedic for me considering how much we'd grown to care for his character i felt a little tonal whiplash there but other than that i think it was a pretty tight movie otherwise Mm. like tone wise so yeah um but yeah and he he did a lot of showing not telling too which i appreciated he was really good at that yeah um yeah i mean is there anything else that we didn't talk about i guess like I it's I don't know if I'm the person to talk about this that much, so I don't know like if we should dwell on it for too much for too long. But like this movie is notably uh, is notably pretty devoid of Japanese people. Like that's true. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. And like like I said, I'm not the right person to talk about it, but I am also not the first person to raise that concern. Uh, yeah, all of the characters in this are, with the exception of like three characters, none of the characters are Japanese, but this whole thing takes place in Japan and um, with like Japanese extras. And weirdly enough, like the Japanese, most of the Japanese is all subtitled, but if they swear in English, then like it's allowed. It's totally cool. No one censors it. But Jap- but the Japanese subtitles just have like random words censored, which may or may not even be swears, which is super strange. Oh, that that is kind of weird. I didn't know that. I didn't or I didn't notice that. Um, yeah, I, I it didn't bother. Like I I feel like I subconsciously noticed it during the movie. Um, I don't think like I'm not necessarily like like I don't think David Leach was like actively trying to keep asian people out of his movie um i to me it felt kind of like he wanted to make this like he was bringing strangers in from outside of their element onto the train right Mm -hmm. um like these these were people like you had the two british guys um you had that that latino guy you had you had brad pitt the american guy um you had Zazie Beach, who was French for some reason. Like, I think they could have had more Asian presence. It didn't really bother me, but, like, I can see where people are coming from. But I also yeah. kind of get what he was going for, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like it didn't bother me in the in the movie while I was watching it. Um, but, I mean, one, I get why it would bother people. And also... Considering this is based on a uh, based on a Japanese book, I'm pretty sure the character associations that he put into this, like with everyone being American or English or French, etc., those uh, are not things from the book. So it's it's not necessarily arbitrary changes, but it's changes that like you kind of do have to justify. Yeah, um, I get that. Like the only thing I can think of is that like he didn't want anyone to be comfortable on that train or like to know what they were doing Mm -hmm. but then also like you could have just made them 
other types of Asian or like, like I don't I don't know how to say it like um, or even Michael I was kind of surprised Michael Shannon was white it felt very odd that a Japanese warlord was completely white uh, well um, I mean Michael Shannon was playing a Russian character oh well but but he was like he was in like the the yakuza or like the Japanese like, yes gangs, but it was right? a major plot it was a major plot point that he was a Russian in the ga- in the yakuza because like oh. he he had come from the russian mafia and oh, like okay. worked his way through that. the yakuza yeah that's fair i didn't really get much of his backstory if i'm gonna be honest i think basically oh. what i would like to see and like i'm pretty sure i i think if i remember reading correctly this was part of david leach's argument too or part of his argument was that like if he wanted this movie to get made in hollywood he needed to cast hollywood stars which you know, he is really did. <laughs> not, it's not, it's not an invalid argument, yeah. but honestly, I want to see this story adapted again in, in a Japanese movie. I would love that. Like, this is a really cool story and I would love to see it adapted many times. Like, you know, one of the beautiful things about Agatha Christie novels is that they are adapted many times to plays, to movies, etc. And like, this novel that this is based on, Maria Beetle, has already been made into a stage play in Japan, and I hope it gets made into a movie in Japan too, because I loved this story. And if someone, if, if a Japanese filmmaker wants to make a version of this that is closer to the original novel, I would immediately watch this again. Yeah, I think I would too. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think it takes away from the movie, though. If, if we look at it from a complete perspective of that like the movie only perspective mm-hmm. yeah i don't I, it didn't feel like it detracted from the movie not having asian people Just so uh what would you if, if you had to put a number on this movie what would you say um i'd say like probably like a 7.5 to an 8 mm-hmm. um it's like it amazing fun but yeah there are definitely like like we talked about there, there are definitely some flaws um they don't bother me that much but like i think you you could have changed some things in this movie and it could have been like a nine nine to ten out of ten or not ten out of ten but nine out of ten yeah i think i definitely agree with an eight i am basically waiting to see it again either in theaters or just on my couch to determine whether that's gonna like stay at an eight or go down a bit but yeah, like fair. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I I don't I was anticipating this movie just from having seen the trailer so many times. And like I am I personally think this paid off and I'm I'm really glad cuz it would have been really sad if this had been a really bad movie when I went yeah, to see it. Yeah. I was expecting that. Like I was I saw the reviews. I can't believe the reviews on this by the way. I was really expecting a mediocre movie. Um but it actually it blew me away. That mm-hmm. might be part of why. And I, I'm honestly, I'm, I, I'm looking forward. I would definitely watch the next thing David Leach puts out. Um, I'm like, if he has this much control over it. I know that. Um, I know that Ryan Johnson has like committed for the next little bit to doing like a Knives Out series, where you know the next Knives Out movie has Benoit Blanc, but it doesn't have anyone else from the original which is you know that's cool i would like to see david leach do something like this again in a different set- setting like this was 
at its core, like kind of a mystery movie, but also an action movie. And like, I want to see a spiritual successor to this for sure. I don't think this movie really lends itself to having a real sequel, like a, a, a technical sequel, but like, I can definitely, I, w- I would definitely like to see David Leach do a similar thing again. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I'd love to, because I, I think he's, 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 I think he's relatively new. Like he's only been, he's only been directing his own stuff for like five years now, right? About. Uh, I guess six, six now maybe. Um, but I think he has a lot of room to grow into his own style. And I think mm-hmm. this is a great start for that. Yeah. I, I definitely think he can make, he can tweak some things and make a movie like similar to this, but much, much better for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, That's next sweet. week, next week, let's talk about prey. We'll be Let's the last people it. to talk about it. But we were the first people to talk about War Train. Probably Perfect. not, but still. Uh, what's the last word? Um, staying alive. <laughs>